Section 24 of Hildebrand and His Times by William Richard Ward Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 16. Character of Henry V and Pascal II. Council of Troyes. Henry's visit to Italy. Scene in St. Peter's Rome. Coronation of Henry V. Strife between Henry and Pascal. Death of the Pope. 1106 to 1118 part two henry had obtained one great object of his visit to italy and as soon as he returned to rome he hastened to secure the other on april fourteenth eleven eleven he was crowned emperor in st peter's but it was a sorry ceremonial hurried over in secrecy and fear the gates of the leonine city being closed lest the presence of a multitude should provoke a tumult and as soon as he had got his crown, Henry quitted Rome with all speed. Having spent Whitsuntide at Verona and concluded a treaty with Venice, he crossed the Alps in June and sojourned for a time in Bavaria. On August 7th, he translated his father's body with great pomp to the cathedral church of Speyer, and on August 15th, he invested his confidential counselor, the Chancellor Adalbert, with the Archbishopric of Mainz for the moment the emperor seemed to be master of italy and of the church but the history of the next six years is a record of the gradual loss by henry of all which he had gained and the retractation by the pope of all the concessions which he had made the gregorian party was of course profoundly indignant at the contract made between henry and pascal they held it to be invalid because extorted by force at a full meeting of the cardinals the concession to which the pope had stooped was condemned and the privilege as the compact was called was denounced as being not a boon but a bane privilegium non privilegium in gaul the feeling seems to have been even stronger than in italy a great synod of the gallican clergy summoned to Anz by the archbishop of lyon was scarcely restrained by the remonstrances of Ivo, the learned bishop of Chartres, from pronouncing anathema on the Pope as well as on the Emperor. On March 18, 1112, a synod was held in the Lateran at which eleven archbishops and more than one hundred bishops were present. The recent compact with the Emperor was, of course, the subject of fierce debate. At first, Pascal offered to resign the papacy. Then he declared that he would abide by the judgment of the synod the synod formally cancelled the contract and confirmed all the old decrees prohibiting lay investiture while pascal solemnly retracted his concession declaring that he condemned all which his predecessors urban and gregory had condemned and confirmed all which they confirmed the decision of the synod was conveyed to henry by gerard bishop of angouleme he affected to treat it with contempt but he soon found that the feeling in the church at large was too strong to be despised guido archbishop of vienne was at the head of a powerful opposition in gaul which was openly supported by the young king louis the sixth and secretly encouraged by the pope a synod held at vienne on september sixteenth denounced lay investiture suspended anathema over henry for treachery perjury and sacrilege until he should renounce the practice and demanded the ratification of these resolutions from the pope 
with threats of withdrawing their obedience if he did not comply pascal wrote a humble letter to guido assuring him that the compact with henry was now void he was in fact as much in the power of the zealots as he had been in the power of the emperor henry had crushed the pope but he could not crush the opinions which hildebrand had planted in the mind of christendom he saw that what he had gained was slipping from his grasp and he was urged by his friends to return to italy without delay and force the pope to stand by the covenant but at this critical moment he was detained by the outbreak of rebellion in thuringia and saxony henry's harsh and oppressive rule had excited deep discontent in germany both amongst the clergy and the nobles they repented that they had helped him to the throne for the father chastised them with whips the son chastised them with scorpions on slight and arbitrary pretexts the nobles were imprisoned and their castles and treasures confiscated military fiefs and offices of dignity and trust both secular and clerical were bestowed on men of low birth the servile creatures of the emperor adalbert archbishop of mainz so lately henry's most confidential adviser became the leader of the insurrection his capture and imprisonment after more than a year of warfare paralyzed the movement for a time and in the interval henry celebrated his marriage with matilda daughter of henry i of england amid such pomp as had rarely been witnessed but the spirit of revolt was too deeply seated and widely spread to be long repressed saxony became once more the centre of resistance to the royal authority during the year eleven fourteen the contest was carried on with doubtful results but on february eleventh eleven fifteen a long and bloody battle was fought at welfesholze in which henry's general was slain and his army utterly routed this reverse animated the courage of the gregorian party cardinal cuno the pope's legate in france had pronounced anathema on henry in december at beauvais the archbishop of Cologne spread the news of this daring act all over germany and exhorted all the bishops to cast off the yoke on march twenty eighth eleven fifteen cuno repeated the anathema at reims reims on easter monday at Cologne, then in saxony and finally at chalon on the marne these proclamations greatly strengthened the cause of the insurgents by giving it a kind of religious sanction castle after castle was taken town after town joined the revolt and all the lower rhine and westphalia seemed to be lost henry saw that some vigorous effort must be made to repair his shattered power his best chance seemed to lie in making a visit to italy to deter the pope if possible from ratifying the proceedings of his legate and the insurgents the death of the great countess matilda july twenty fourth eleven sixteen had opened a favourable opportunity for asserting his authority in lombardy he dispatched a conciliatory letter to the pope and early in february he set out accompanied only by his wife and a few bishops whom he thought he could trust to negotiate with pascal after a short stay at venice where he was received with much splendour by the doge he pressed on to the territory of matilda and occupied at last the castle of canossa which his father save as a suppliant had never entered 
contrary to expectation he treated the towns and nobles with great mildness special favour was shown to the pisans and help given for the completion of their cathedral because they had lately conquered majorca and ibiza from the saracens privileges were also bestowed on mantua novara turin and bologna where the great teacher of law warneria seems to have been often employed as an arbitrator or assessor in the imperial courts meanwhile a great synod had been held in rome march sixth eleven sixteen the gregorians hoped that the pope would no longer vacillate but boldly ratify the ban pronounced by his legates on the emperor but henry was in italy his envoy the abbot of cluny was in rome and pascal shrank from taking the step he tried to occupy the synod with other matters a strife between rivals for the see of milan a dispute between the bishops of lucca and pisa at last a bishop lost patience the pope was trifling with their time they had not come long distances and through great perils to discuss such questions as these but one in comparison with which all others were insignificant there was no escape for him and at last the pope spoke out what he had done was under the pressure of dire necessity to purchase the freedom of god's people but it was an evil deed due to human infirmity he implored all to pray for his forgiveness and he condemned lay investiture absolutely and forever there was a loud shout of approbation god be thanked cried bruno the abbot of monte cassino that the pope hath with his own mouth repudiated that shameful and heretical contract what exclaimed cardinal john of gaeta so saying thou makest the author of the deed heretical darest thou call the pope an heretic the contract was a wrong but not a heresy not even a wrong cried another since it was done to deliver god's people the dispute was waxing hot but at last the pope having obtained silence said hearken my brethren the church of rome has crushed all heresies and never yielded to any for did not the lord himself say to peter i have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and with these words he put an end to the wrangle he still assumed however a somewhat timid and equivocal attitude which was far from giving satisfaction to the gregorian party he confirmed the utterances of cuno the legate and guido of vienne but he would not himself pronounce the ban upon henry the emperor indeed continued to hope for a reconciliation especially as difficulties were gathering round the pope in rome on march thirtieth the city prefect died the romans tried to force pascal to appoint a young man in his father's place pascal refused and a fierce tumult broke out his friend peter leone with his retainers made a brave resistance but at last the pope had to quit rome and seek shelter in albano here envoys from henry had an interview with him and brought back an encouraging report of his friendly disposition still henry did not go to rome he lingered till december in the castles on matilda's territory and spent january in the romagna but at last he accepted an invitation from the prefect and consuls and set forth determined to force the wavering pope to a decision his approach was welcomed all the papal fortresses near rome opened their gates and the count of tusculum gave him a friendly greeting on easter day eleven seventeen he made a solemn entry into rome 
but found that the pope had abandoned it and gone to capua the castle of st angelo was in the hands of peter leone the church of st peter and the adjacent fortresses were in the hands of the prefect henry went to the church where the cardinals were celebrating the festival he offered to do penance if he had wronged the roman church no man dared to stand forth as his accuser and he then requested that he might be crowned as the custom was on high festivals the cardinals refused but moritz burdinus archbishop of braga was less scrupulous he placed the crown on henry's head in front of the tomb of st gregory the people applauded his act and conducted the emperor in procession to the lateran palace on the next day in the capital he received the homage of all the chief dignitaries conferring honours and privileges upon many of them and admitted the youthful prefect to the rank of noble henry now flattered himself with the hope that pope and cardinals would yield to his demands but in this he was mistaken pascal in a synod at benevento anathematized burdinus for crowning henry and dispatched cuno into germany to foment the strife there and tried to incite the normans to make an attack upon rome in this he did not succeed but in june having heard that henry had quitted rome to escape the summer heat he got a few troops together and began to move northwards he was detained at anagni by severe illness and it was nearly christmas before he had rallied sufficiently to resume his journey owing to the careless watch kept by the prefect he got into rome and even into the castle of st angelo without opposition the tidings of his arrival caused some revulsion of feeling in his favour but he had only a short time to live on the second day after his return he was again prostrated by illness and on january twenty first eleven eighteen he breathed his last the pontificate of pascal had lasted eighteen years during which he had been involved in perpetual conflicts and perils in strife with the emperor with the roman nobles with the german prelates with the gregorian party amongst the cardinals and with the gallican clergy more papal than himself his difficulties were in a great measure the consequence of his own lack of foresight and firmness in principle he was a severe gregorian yet he had exasperated that party and indeed the whole body of the clergy first by proposing a spoliation of their property and privileges and then by surrendering the right of investiture the very thing for the sake of which he had made his preposterous bargain he loved rome and wished to live there and repair the havoc made by the sack in robert guiscard's time but he was unable to control the turbulence of the people or secure the confidence and fidelity of the nobles he was often compelled to fly for safety to benevento and he died at last little better than a prisoner in the castle of st angelo End of section 24